for the victory that is ours. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, that in every circumstance and situation we can look to you and rely upon you that you've promised that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so, Father, tonight we just ask your blessing upon this time that everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for revealing yourself to us as a good God, as a loving Father. And now we ask your blessing upon this time in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Just for your information, <clears throat> next week is the uh, um, Jersey auction and so forth for homecoming. And uh, last year we, uh, we canceled church uh, so people could go to that. And so Becky and I, Pastor Becky and I went to it and we were the only adults from this class that were there. And so we're not canceling this year. Uh, there will not be high school uh, next week, high school class, they'll, they'll be canceling that. There will be uh, kids' church down below. I talked to Cindy, it's sorted out. Yeah, so there'll be classes downstairs and, and in here, so. But there won't be any high school class. And I know that there's some parents that need to go and that's, that's fine, but uh, <clears throat> like I said, I, I, I tried last year. I tried it and nobody went. And so we're gonna have church. So there we go. Well, we're continuing our study on the believer's authority. Um, and tonight we're talking about no wicked thing. And, and as we've been talking about this, we, we've been talking about how we have an adversary, um, the devil, and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that's so important for us to be in a fight, you gotta know who you're in a fight against. Otherwise, you're kind of, you know, the, the scripture talks about just, you know, swinging in the air. We, we, we gotta know what our target is. And so we know that because of what the scripture reveals to us, and so that's why it's so important. And so no wicked thing, and so tonight we're gonna be talking about the fact that the words that come out of our mouth is so important. In fact, <clears throat> really that's where the, uh, the battle takes place. You know, over the years, I remember in the early years of my Christian walk, uh, and we'd get talking about spiritual warfare and so forth, and it was always focused upon the demonic. And, uh, and you know, there is that element of it. But you know, really what, where sport, spiritual warfare takes place is through this. That's, that's the number one weapon that we have against the enemy. And the other side of it is, it's the number one weapon that the enemy uses against us. It's our mouth more than the mouths of others. And so um, that's where we are gonna be focusing tonight. And so in Matthew, the sixth chapter, and uh, that's where we're gonna begin, Matthew six and verse 31, it's, um, it says, uh, 
Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we eat? That doesn't look right. I had this problem last night. Is it Mark? Take no thought saying. And so it just, um, um, I don't know what's happening here with me. But anyway, that's, that's not the right scripture, so get your concordance out and look it up. Um, but take no thought saying. In other words, um, the words that we speak are extremely important. It's not in uh, Mark either. So it's, it's, it's in there someplace. It's, it's that scripture. It's just the King James Version. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, I should read it out of the King James then. Okay, well that, that's what you get when you study with three different versions. So, uh, so anyway, take no thought. Now, now the interesting thing, saying, the interesting thing is you can't say something without thinking it. And, oh, Pastor, I don't know how that happened, it just came out. Well, you, you had to have thought it, and you had to have entertained it. And in fact, you know, our actions are a direct result of what, what we thought and what we said. And, and so that's why our words are so important. And again, that's where the battle is because, you know, the enemy wants, us, wants to get us speaking. You know, and I, I hate to use the term enemy because, you know, we, we think of the devil and there is, there is a devil, but, but there are three things that are our adversary, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, I say, Jesus whooped the devil. And so we've just got to know that that really isn't a problem. Then it says in 1 John, this is the victory that overcomes the world, uh, even our faith. And so by faith, we've overcome the world. You know, so if you're like me, your, your biggest problem is the flesh because I have to deal with me every day. You know, and so that's, that's the biggest enemy. And, and so that's where the controlling of the mouth really comes in, is in the fact that I have to deal with, with me. Satan passes thoughts, feelings, and attitudes across our heart and our mind. Notice he passes across. He can't make you think anything. He can't make you act any certain way. He can't make you feel any certain way. We have to be willing to yield him. Later on, we're going to be looking at the scripture once again uh, that says how he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he, he doesn't have any right, he doesn't have any authority to just come in our life and take over. We have to be willing to yield to him. And when we yield to him, that's when he begins to take advantage. Um, and there it is in your notes. If you, if you don't say it, then it's not yours. You know, I, I found this out, you know, the hard way, you know, especially when I wanted to cast vision and stuff, you know, sometimes I would, I would say things prematurely. And, and the thing about it is, is, as long as I didn't say anything, I could think it all I wanted. You know, I mean, I, I've shared before, you know, I've, I've had buildings built all over this property and everything else, you know, because I've, I've thought it. 
But you're okay until you say it. Because the moment that you say it, you're committed. You know, and so that's where um, if you don't say it, then it's not yours. And so it's not, you're really not committed to it. And that's why, you know, where faith is concerned, we have to be willing to speak it. Faith says, faith speaks. And the reason that faith speaks is you really don't possess it until you say it. You know, uh, <clears throat> healing, you can think healing, but it's not until you speak it out. When you begin to speak it out of your mouth, that's when you begin to, uh, begin to see the manif manifestation of it. You, you say it, and then we, we see it. But you know, the same thing happens in the negative. You know, not that we should be thinking those things, but we can think those things, but we really don't possess it until we open our mouth and we begin to speak it out. Because that's when it really begins to um, take control of our lives. Uh, you need to take, um, you need to take on this attitude. I refuse to speak forth anything contrary to what I'm believing for. And so what are you believing for? If you're believing for sickness and disease, then speak it out. But see, that's not what I'm believing for, so I'm, I'm not, gonna, not gonna speak it out. What am I gonna speak it out? Even though I'm thinking um, maybe sickness because of a symptom that I'm feeling in my body, I'm not gonna speak that out. I'm gonna speak out what I'm believing. You know, what I'm believing is that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. You know, Sunday we talked about, you know, how the scripture, you know, celebrating our redemption. You know, but there's, there's a lot of people in Christendom that are constantly speaking out their feelings. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel saved. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel holy. And so they're basing it all upon their feelings, but what they're doing is they're speaking that out. And so the moment that they then begin to speak it out, they begin to take ownership of those things that are coming out of their, word, their mouth. They're taking ownership of not being worthy. They take an, they're taking ownership of not feeling in such and such a way. Listen, I don't always feel saved, you know? But it's not gonna come out of my mouth. I know that I'm saved because the word of God says in Romans 10 that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. I believed in my heart and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, therefore I know that I'm saved. And so even though I don't feel it, I'm gonna speak out what I believe and what I know to be true. And that's where people get so confused. You know, <clears throat> well, when you, when, you, when you just make a confession of something, when you're just confession, confessing the word, you're not telling the truth. Well, yes, I am. I'm telling you what I believe. But you know, <clears throat> if I go around saying I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, when I'm sick, then I'm not telling the truth because I'm making a confession of something that's not there. So if something's trying to attach it to my body, I'm not denying what's there, I'm calling those things that be not as though they be. You know, and so confession isn't calling those things as though they, that be as though they be not. It's calling those things that be not as though they be. And so if sickness is trying to attach itself to my body, I be not whole. 
And so I'm going to confess I'm whole. If I don't have the money to pay my bills, I'd be not prosperous. <laughs> so I'm going to declare I prosper in all things. And I'm in health just as my soul prospers. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so, <clears throat> see, really, according to Scripture then, it all begins to make sense because I am not going to possess poverty. I am not going to possess poor health. I'm not going to possess those things that are contrary to the Word of God, and that's why it doesn't come out of my mouth. Because the problem isn't what everybody else is going to think. The problem is, is I'm hearing it. I'm speaking it. I'm allowing to come out of my mouth what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. And I need to take authority over that. You know, and so <clears throat> before we ever take authority over the devil, we gotta take authority over our own selves. We gotta take authority over our own mouths. We've gotta get control of that before we're gonna get control of anything else. Now, we do it simultaneously because the enemy is coming against us, but you understand what I'm saying. We can't say that we have authority over the devil when we don't take authority over anything in our own life because that's what he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. Our life, our wholeness, what Jesus has provided for us. You know, <clears throat> I like Psalms 141. Now, I really believe this is the right passage. Uh, Psalm 141, <clears throat> because it talks about that we need to set a guard over our mouth. Psalms 141, verse 3. And it says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We need to watch what crosses our lips. We need to take authority over the Set a guard over my mouth because of what it's going to produce. What kind of fruit do we want coming out of our lives? Talked about this in length Monday night up at the, the prison. What kind of fruit are we producing in our life? Is it going to be the fruit of the Spirit or, you know, <clears throat> uh, Galatians 6 calls it the, the work of, 5 or 6, calls it the work of the flesh. But really it's the fruit of the flesh. You know, so are we going to produce fruit of the Spirit or are we going to produce fruit of the flesh? And what's going to determine that are the words that come coming out of our mouth. What are we going to speak? In Proverbs 18, verse 20, it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life. Now, now we look at this and we think, well, he's talking about what, what do we eat? You know, need to watch what we're eating. No, he's talking about words here because notice what he says in the 21st verse. Then it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. When we're speaking, we're either going to speak out death or we're going to speak out life. And, you know, all around us we're hearing Death. We hear, hear words of death. And I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's killing you, but it's destroying you because what it does is it separates you from the truth. You know, and, and death is separation. And so if we're, if we're separated from truth, that means we're experiencing a degree of death in our life. 
And so when, we hearing, when we're hearing those things, you know, and that's why the Bible says that we need to guard our eye gate and our ear gate. We need to watch what we see and we need to watch what we hear. Because what we see and what we hear is what's going to produce what comes, comes out of our mouth. And so we need to, we need to guard that because uh, there's life and death in the power of our tongue. And so the words that we speak are very important. The words that we speak to one another are very important. Um, you know, last night at the men's meeting, we, we talked about fatherhood and so forth. You know, and, you know, we, we didn't talk about this element of it, but we, we did talk about how we ought to be an encourager and so forth to our, our, our children and so on. But, you know, I can look back and I can see that, you know, in my fallen state, you know, B.C., you know, that I would say, say things over my children that wasn't, it wasn't producing life. It was, it was producing death. And most of you have heard me show this example of how, you know, <clears throat> Jeff would do things and I'd say, Jeff, why'd you do that? That was really stupid. Why did you do that? And I remember like it was yesterday, the day uh, I, I said that to him and he looked up at me, he'd, he'd done something, he'd done something. And I hadn't had an opportunity to say anything. He looked up at me and said, I'm just so stupid, aren't I, Dad? And I mean, it was like somebody punched me in the gut because I knew that was a direct result of the words that I was speaking over him. Now, thank God he was young. We were able to change the conversation and he's doing okay. <laughs> but we see what it'll produce in our lives. We see the effect that it has on those around us. I mean, we can look at our own lives and when somebody has said something negative or hurtful towards us, the impact that it has upon our life. And we say, well, I, I, just, I just let it go. I just let it run, run off my back like water off a duck's back. Well, it's nice if we would do that, but you know, the truth of the matter is it gets in there. And so we know the power of those words. The key is when we hear those words not to repeat them. You know, because that's when it begins to gain force in our lives. And so <clears throat> death and life are in the power of the tongues because remember the parable of Jesus and the seed and sower. What was the seed? The seed was words. But you know what? We sow seed too. And the way that we sow seed are through the words that come out of our mouth. We either are going to sow seeds of life or we're going to, you know, we're either going to seed sow seeds that are going to produce a bountiful harvest or we're going to sow seeds of weeds. You know, which is it going to be? But we're sowing seed all the time. You know, that's why our confession is so important. And, and really, uh, we, we probably need a new emphasis on confession. But I think oftentimes in so much of the church, the Word of Faith church anyway, people began to shy away from the confession message and and much of it was due to the fact because of the extremes. You know, you'd, you'd say something and some say, well, I'll agree with you on that. Well, you didn't. You're, you're just, you know, you probably shouldn't have said it, but you didn't mean anything by it. I remember going to camp meeting one year and Brother Hagin was preaching and, and he, he, he's preaching along and he says something or other and it just about scared the life out of me. And he said, Brother Hagin, your confession. Then he thought, you are the confession message. But see, he knew he didn't believe that in his heart. He was just making an expression. And it got so bad that we could hardly communicate with one another any longer. You know, <clears throat> we don't want to communicate sickness and disease. 
But you know, if you need prayer, you've got to be able to tell me you need prayer or you need to be able to tell somebody else you need prayer. But it got so bad that you were afraid to open your mouth and even say anything along those lines. And so that was the extreme. But I think we've gotten to the extreme on the other side once again, where just anything goes. You know, the words that come out of people's mouths um, ought not to be. The Bible says, out of the same mouth ought not blessing and cursing. These things ought not to be. And that's how it ought not to be in our lives. Our lives, our mouths should be filled with blessings, what we speak, uh, not only concerning ourselves, but what we speak to others as well. And so we need to keep our, our words positive. I believe it's very important. You know, because once again, let me repeat this. I believe that this is where our spiritual battles are won and lost. It's right here. You know, because when we speak it out, if, if we do meet a demonic entity that we have to deal with, if we've got the right words on the inside of us that are going to come out, we're going we're to deal with it in, in the proper way. You know, because after all, we're no match anyway. It's got to be through the power of the Spirit. But our words need to be right. We need to get back to that place where we, we put that guard over our mouth and we watch the words that are coming out of our mouth. In this spiritual battle, Satan takes advantage of the words we say. He'll use them against us. You know, you let something slip out of your mouth and, uh, and, and he'll take advantage of it. In Matthew 12, 37, it says, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Now thank God, we're not going to be condemned by our words because we've already been declared innocent. Amen? Through the blood of Jesus. This is before the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But yet, there is a, a condemning that comes with the words that we speak. You know, <clears throat> I think I shared this on Sunday again. If I didn't, just pretend that I did. But, but, you know, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And so, God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't condemn us. But, you know, we condemn ourselves. You know, the Bible says the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. That's Satan. You know, and so he's the one, and he, all his little imps are the ones, and society and media and everything, they're the ones that are constantly whispering in our ears that we're no good, that we can't make it, that we're not going to succeed, and uh, that, we've, that we're failures. And so what happens is this, this condemnation tries to rise up in our lives. But I want you to understand something. It's not God bringing condemnation in our lives. There's a lot of the church that is suffering with a sense of condemnation. But it's not, it's not God, it's not the Holy Spirit condemning them. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the, and the number one is their own flesh. Because I don't know about you, but I know all my shortcomings. I know all my failings. If there's anybody that is in a position 
to condemn me, it's me. Because I know me. And so my flesh constantly, you know, if I don't continually renew my mind, my flesh will constantly bring those things up. And so it's the world, the flesh, and the devil that wants to bring condemnation in our life. And when we speak out those words of guilt, shame, condemnation, what happens? It reinforces it, and that's where that, those words will bring condemnation in our life. But if we turn it around, and we speak what, what God says about us, we walk in our righteousness, justification. You know, I heard one individual define justification as it's just as if we've never sinned. You know, and again, <clears throat> I can see it when we're in the prison, you know, sometimes you can, you can tell the guys have had just a downer day. There's, there's things that have gone on, and I'll be ministering along, and it's just like I can see, you know, you know, just not getting through. It wasn't that case Monday night, but, you know, sometimes it is that way. And so generally what I'll do when I begin to see that, I'll just begin to exhort them. I'll just begin to declare over them who they are in Christ Jesus, that you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can just, you can just see it in their, their heads start popping up. Their eyes start looking at me. Their shoulders begin to go back. And you can just tell they feel better about themselves. What did that? Nothing had changed. But it was words that began to minister to them and bring hope to them. Let's turn over to Ephesians. In Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians, the second chapter. I'm going to start reading in the first verse. And it says, And you, everybody say, that's me. That's me. And you, he made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But notice we were once there. We're not there any longer. You know, I say, you know, <clears throat> um, people do bad things, but people aren't necessarily evil. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. Look what happened in Iowa State. That wasn't him. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving him a break. I just want you to understand what I'm saying. I don't believe a sane human being would ever do something like that. That's, that's the epitome of insanity. She might be out back because sometimes she goes out back. You know, and so, I, you know, that's, that's the epitome of insanity. You know, <clears throat> I watch the news and I watch the reports and all that I see anymore is a bunch of demonic activity because I'm convinced of something. Human beings in their right minds don't hurt other human beings in that way. 
I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, I mean, I can't believe it. You know, well, what about the Holocaust? Demonic. What about slavery? Demonic. What about sexual abuse and child abuse? Demonic. It's demonically inspired. And I'm not, tell, I'm not saying all of these people are demon-possessed, but what I'm saying is they've yielded to demonic activity. That's, that's the only conclusion that I can come up with because God never created anyone to be evil. He didn't create Adam and Eve to fall. He didn't create, he didn't, you know, because it was a, it was a deterioration of humanity. You know, after Adam and Eve fell, it took 900 years for Adam to die. That's how long it took for that corruption to take over his flesh. And we see in, in the Old Testament where, where so often that was the case, that they lived so long until the evil began to get so well, so, so, so evil that God put a limit on life. But it was, it was demonically inspired. Even the fall was demonically inspired. What was it? It was Satan speaking words spoken to Eve that Adam should have taken authority over and say, we don't talk to snakes, get out of here. And not allowed her to speak those words any further. But what did she do? She took the words that were spoken to her and she spoke them to Adam and Adam immediately received those words and those words were passed on then from generation. It was a seed that was planted. That's why it's so important for us to take authority over those words that are spoken. Listen to this in, in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Whose minds, talking about people in the world, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so what do we have? We have a, a culture anymore that is walking in spiritual blindness. You know, the gospel doesn't seem to be penetrating it. And what happens is we just get ticked off and frustrated because nobody will listen to us, but we won't take the time to you to do what we're told to do, and that's to take authority over those spirits of blindness that are blind in the minds of the unbelieving so that they're not able to see the truth, the light of the marvelous gospel. And so that's the spiritual warfare that we're in. It's the minds of men that have been blinded. And I'm not just talking about men outside the church. I believe that there's born again, spirit-filled believers that their minds have been blinded to the truth of the gospel because they hear truth and it's like they, they, just, they just can't see it. And the reason for it is, is because of what's been confessed over them. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot of Christians that believe that you can't have confidence that God wants to heal you. That some of us are predestined to be sick and just predestined to die young. That some of us are predestined to be poor, 
that some of us are just predestined to suffer through life. And even if they, they, they're not basing it on predestination, they're, they're still basing it on the fact that you, you can't, you just never know about God. You know, because after all, look at God in the Old Testament. He was mad, he, his judgment. You know, and if God doesn't, oh, this is the one that just really ticks me off. You know, if God doesn't judge America, then he's going to have to repent to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, let me tell you something. I'm in a new dispensation. They need to grow up and get out of the old covenant and get into the new covenant and start living their life after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus rather than before. Because it'll totally change your So, So this is the problem. It's words once again. There's individuals that have listened to the words of, of guilt and shame and condemnation that comes upon us as Christians because we're such miserable, failing Christians and we've accepted it hook, line, and sinker. And so we begin to speak it out of our mouth and speak it to everybody that's around us. And what happens is there's a veil that comes across our face, across our eyes. And even though the truth is sitting there right smack dab in front of us, we can't see it. And so those individuals, what they need is prayer. Thank God they're going to heaven. Amen. Amen. But you know, it'd be nice if they could know that they were healed before they get to heaven because they won't need it in heaven. Well, you know, pastor, when we get, to, oh, when we get to heaven, uh, We'll all be whole. You know, so sometimes you're healed here. Sometimes you're healed when you go to heaven. What do I need to get healed from in heaven? There isn't any sickness in heaven. There isn't any disease in heaven. There isn't any poverty in heaven. There isn't any bondage in heaven. There isn't any of that negativity in heaven. I don't need it when I get to heaven. I need it now. Amen. So I can live a victorious life now. And so, you know, guard what you hear. Guard what you see. You know, push that button, slide that thing, whatever you have to do to turn that garbage off, turn it off. Well, pastor, I just really think we should be open-minded. How stupid can you be? I, I believe we need to be teachable, but I ain't gonna open my mind up to anything but the Word of God. And if it isn't based on the Word of God, I'm not gonna open my mind up to it. Well, you're, you're just too narrow-minded. Yes, I am. You know, it's interesting, the older I get, the more narrow-minded I become. <laughs> I think it was Brother Hagen, I heard him say this one time later on in his life, he says, you know, I'm just getting too old to care. Doesn't matter what you think of me because, actually, I don't think it was Brother Hagen. I think it was Lester Summerall that made that statement. Hallelujah. Although God is using both radio and television mightily, 
to advance the kingdom, and he is. I was watching one of their commercials on TBN this morning, and they were talking about, um, oh, it wasn't this morning, it was yesterday morning, I think it was, but it was talking about the new TV station that they're open up in the Baltic states, uh, in state countries, and just a, just a marvelous facility, and, and uh, you know, they gave the numbers, I don't remember, the, the millions that are gonna be reached by this station that they've just opened up. And, you know, I don't know, it was probably a month ago, you know, they had a rerun of the, when they dedicated on TBN the, uh, the TV station uh, in Jerusalem. And, you know, so thank God for television. Thank God for radio. Thank God for all those things. But you know what? They're there for the kingdom of God. But they're also being used by our adversary. And so we need to be wise. We need to recognize that there's a whole lot of stuff that's on the radio and on TV that's there to, it's there to destroy life. It's not there to bring, bring life. It's there to destroy life. And that, again, is why we need to be sensitive. We need to recognize that these things have influence in our life. You know, we need to realize the words that we speak have influence in the lives of people that we come in in contact with. And so we need to make sure that we don't allow any of that corruption to come out of our mouth, and we need to watch it so that we don't allow that corruption to come in, either through our ears or through our eyes, that we don't give it the time of day, because what it's going to do is its goal is to produce death. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and the 33rd verse, it says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You know, he tells us the same thing in Galatians. He says, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And remember again, the words that we speak are seeds that we're sowing out there. And so don't be deceived into thinking that the words that come out of our mouth don't matter. They do. They're seeds that are being sown. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. <clears throat> to think that I can hang out wherever and it's not going to affect me. We're deceived. You know... <clears throat> many moons ago when my children were still at home and they would go and be with friends I could tell what kind of environment they had been in by the way they acted when they got home you could tell whether the environment was a uh, a good environment we'll just leave it at that or whether it was a corrupt environment you could tell it by their attitude. You could tell it by their speech. You could tell it by their eye rolls. <laughs> you could tell. And so why do we think we can be in this negative, horrible environment? I, by this, I don't mean this here. You know. But we, we get into these environments and then we think, well, it doesn't really... You know, I'm, I'm spiritual enough. It's not really going to affect me. 
Well, then, then the scriptures lied. But notice what he says. He says, don't be deceived. He's saying, don't think that you can hang out in a, in a sinful environment and that not have an impact upon your life. Don't be deceived in thinking that we can watch things on TV or in movies or whatever. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> Pastor Becky's old teaching um, on cooking brownies. And this is one of her favorite teachings when she'd bring it to the kids. She'll bring brownies and, and after teaching, she'll get ready to, uh, to serve the brownies. And she says, and don't worry about it. I put just a little bit of dog poop in there. Well, I'm not eating that. Well, just a little bit. It's not going to hurt you. It's just a little poop. Oh, no. Your little poop corrupts the whole brownie pan. Amen. You know, I, I know maybe, maybe you're into dog poop. Not me. A little bit corrupts the whole thing. But see, that's how it is with, with other stuff, too. It's just a little bit. Just a little dabble, do you? Makes me think of uh, uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan, because, <clears throat> you know, he, he, he sold, uh, I mean, he was um, the spokesperson for Brill Cream. And, uh, and so until his dying day, he had a supply of it. And so every day, a little dab would do him. You know, and so you, when you'd see Reagan's hair and it was just perfect, same stuff all the time. Well, a little dab did him. A little corruption, it'll bring destruction. Psalms 101.3 again, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not cling, it shall not cling to me. We've got to make sure that we don't cling, allow those things to cling. You know, <clears throat> you ever notice how dirt, it'll, it'll, just, it'll just cling to you. you. You get dressed up to go someplace and you're going and, you know, you're, you're, you're careful and everything, but you get to where you're going and somebody says, what's, what's that on your... What's that on your coat? What's that on your pants? I mean, one Sunday, I had three different people come up to me and say, what's on the back of your coat? I didn't know anything was on the back of my coat. I can't see it. I just got it from the cleaners, but there was, there was stuff on the back of my coat. And I'm thinking, how in the world can I get stuff on the back of my coat? I just got it from the cleaners. What well, had to have been the cleaners? But say, it just clings to you. And that's how the stuff of this world is. It'll just... It'll just cling to you. There'll, there'll, there'll be stuff that'll come out of your mouth and you think, where in the world did that come from? It clings to you. And so that's why we've got we've to guard ourselves. I mentioned this earlier, but 1 Peter 5.8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. We talked about this last week. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, we've got to recognize he can't just do it because he wants to. We've got to give him access. And that's why it says be sober. In other words, 
We ought to be serious about this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm serious about the Word of God. You know, and, and probably one of my greatest frustrations in the ministry has been the lack of people taking serious what God has said. We need to take this, we need to be serious about it because we are in a, we are in a fight, we're in a battle. You know, you take a, a soldier and he's, he's preparing for a battle. They're serious about it because they know that this training can be the difference between life and death. We've got to realize that the training that we're going through as born-again believers through the Word of God is it's life and death. It's whether we're going to survive, whether we're going to open the door for the enemy to come in and raise havoc in our life or not. Be sober, be vigilant. <clears throat> I'm not sure what vigilant means, but I think it's effort. We need to put some effort into it. And a lot of times we just want it to, we just want it to fall on us, but it doesn't happen that way. There's some effort that we put into it. Oh, but pastor, I'm, I'm living by grace. Doesn't mean you get to sit back and take a nap. It means we still by faith receive what Jesus has done for us. And if we're not aware, if we don't know what Jesus has done for us, we can't appropriate it. You know, the biggest hindrance in so much of the church is, of, is ignorance. I mean, even amongst those that have heard and received and been born again, there's still ignorance of the ignorant of the fullness of what Christ has provided for them. The full, first Holy Ghost conference I went through, I, this was shortly after I was born again. We went down to Des Moines and the Methodists uh, had a Holy Spirit conference down there and there was this four square pastor that I think it was four square and I can't remember his name but he, but he had this little book that I bought because I went to one of his workshops and <clears throat> In the, and, and in the workshop in his book, he talked about, are we quarter gospel, half gospel, three-quarter gospel, or full gospel? And he says, so often within the Pentecostal churches, of course, he's talking to charismatics here mostly, but he says, within the charismatic movement, we want to we wanna call ourselves full gospel. But are we really? Because he says the majority of us our quarter gospel. We've been born again. We've squeaked into the kingdom of God. But we're not aware of healing. We're not aware of prosperity. We're not aware of deliverance. We're not aware of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he says at minimal, we're a quarter of the gospel where we ought to be full gospel. And that's where we ought to be is we need to be full gospel. We need to be aware, yes, I'm going to heaven. And like I said before, if that's all there was, praise the Lord. But that's not all there is. There's healing, there's deliverance, there's, there's prosperity. There's healing in all areas of our life available to us socially, emotionally, spiritually, every area of our life. And so we need to appropriate it. We need to receive it into our lives. Once again, there's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. We talked about this in length earlier about being blinded. But see, that's what's going on in so much of the churches. We're blinded. 
But you know what? We need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. We may need to be determined. I may have been blind in the past, but I'm not going to be blind any longer. Or as the scripture put it, I was ignorant, but I'm not ignorant still. We may not be aware of everything that Jesus has done for us, but let's be determined that we're not going to stay there. We're going to find out what Jesus has done for us and we're going to move forward. In Ephesians 2.27 it says that we are not to give place to the devil. Don't give him place. Or don't give him a place in your life. Because whatever you give him, he'll take. And he won't be satisfied with it. He'll always want more. You know, because he's the author of lust. And lust is never satisfied. Remember, we've talked about love. God is love. And, God, and love loves the other at the expense of self. Lust satisfies self at the expense of others. And so, it, no matter what you give him, whatever you give the world, whatever you give, turn over to the flesh, It'll always want more. It'll never be satisfied. It'll always want more. There'll always be something more. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Just think about that. That's the assurance that we have. That when we resist him, he has to flee. He may be persistent. And keep coming back. But he, he can't. He can't take control unless we allow him to. Resist him and he'll flee. But notice what it says first, submit therefore to God. And so that, to me that means we turn ourselves over to him. And that's the, the number one element in being able to overcome the attacks of the enemy is that we be submitted to Jesus, to his lordship. When you disobey God, you open a door to the enemy. Well, pastor, I'm saved. Yes, you are, but we can still open the door. We can still give him access. Or we can say, no way, Jose. I'm keeping that door shut. You have no access. I'm not giving you any place. You're not coming in here. Contrary to what religion says, God still loves you. He's not mad at you. Um, he wants better for each and every one of us. It's the enemy, it's the thief that's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Not God, not Jesus, it's the evil one. By violating God's instruction in his word and obeying the lusts of our flesh, we throw open the door to the evil one. You know, <clears throat> Monday night again, here we are up at the prison. At least one, if not more, of the guys that were there for the first time were guys that we'd seen before. Been released. We're going to make it this time. We're going to make it this time. Been hearing the word. We're going to make it this time. They get out. They get tempted. They open the door. And another door opens for them. It's known as a jail cell. And so here they are once again. But you know what? 
They can blame the laws. They can blame everything they want. But it comes down to the fact that they opened the door. So why is it that some are successful? They don't open the door. They recognize the attack. They recognize their adversary. They, they recognize that um, to be with bad company is going to corrupt their morals. So they, they, they lop that off. They go in a whole new direction. And you know what happens? They begin to experience the victory that's truly theirs. The last line says we need to change our mind about things. We need to start thinking differently. We need to focus and make sure we focus on the things of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we got to walk around with our head in a cloud. We can't communicate with anybody and this, that. That's, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because we're in the world. But we're not of the world. And so what that means is we can't let the world get in us. We're to go to the world. We're, how do you reach the world without being in the world? And so we, we go to the world, but we don't allow the world to get in us. When we begin to recognize that it's beginning to have a, a pull on me, it's beginning to have a hold on me, that's when I've got to close that door and move away from it. Because you know what? It's not going to do the world any good if I join them. The only way I can do the world any good is if I can bring them out and show them a loving Savior in Jesus. And that's all of our jobs. It's all we're called to do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen. So remember, next week we will be having um, class. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And um, I don't know, I, 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 I kind of apologize for the temperature of the room too because we're, we're at the time of year where it's really difficult yeah. <laughs> you know I mean I, I walked in here this afternoon it was it was uh, 68 degrees in here and it was 71 out in the solarium so I, I knew I didn't I knew I didn't want to turn on any heat because uh, I knew in one moment we got you guys in here it'd, you know but I, I knew that I would probably hear some complaints over 68 so I opened the doors and some of the 71 degree air temperature came in here. But uh, so I might be sweating, but hopefully you're comfortable. <laughs> be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen.